0: Well, good morning. My name is Pastor Justin. I'm the lead pastor here at New Life. That's my wife. Um, And uh, we've been in a series over the past like six weeks. And uh, we've called it The God I Never Knew, where we've been talking about the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. And I called it that because I kind of grew up going to church, and I, and I understood the, the first two parts of the trin- Trinity, you know, not that there's like a first, second, and third. I kind of looked at it that way, though. Like, there's the God the Father, and you should always pray to him, because, you know, he's the one who gets things done. And then there's Jesus, who was his son, who, who, who lived, came, died, rose again, um, and ascended to heaven. And then, and then there's, you know, God the Holy Spirit. And I was like, I don't know, he's kind of an enigma to me. Like, I don't really know, I always felt like he got left out, didn't really know what to do with him. And um, so we've, we've been in this series, it's been quite an adventure about, um, you know, we have tackled some pretty significant and controversial discussions about the Holy Spirit and His role in our life. And so today, the, the title of my sermon is Supernatural. That's the name of it. Um, hey, Ryan, could you turn me off in these monitors here? I'm like hearing myself coming back. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Um, So supernatural is the name of it. Oh, that sounds so good. Thank you. Um, I know it doesn't bother you. It's killing me. Um, This word supernatural is broken down. It's really actually pretty simple. It literally just means above or beyond nature, supernatural. And as long as I can remember, I've always been intrigued by the supernatural. That has always been uh, something that I've just been, I've been drawn to. As a kid in the 80s, I was a huge Superman fan. Um, He was the, before all your Marvel stuff, like, Superman was the dude. Yeah, he was overpowered. Yeah, he was amazing. But, like, he was the one that, like, growing up, I mean, there are far too many pictures of me as a kid wearing a cape. I'll just tell you that. And I kid you not. I mean, I've literally gone through, like, at my my mom's house. I'm going to go there this week, you know. I'm going through and just... Realizing, my goodness, I was a wreck of a kid, you know, just like always, always in a in a Superman costume, um, and and that's kind of I was drawn to that, and and I was always drawn. I, I loved watching magicians, you know. I, I would watch David Copperfield, and for some of you younger than thirty, are like David, who uh, he he was amazing, you know. He got rid of the Statue of Liberty, and he was he was he was phenomenal. Um, anyway, I always used to dream of being a magician, and so I had a little magic set that I got for. My birthday and I would like practice, and I thought I was so good, I was like an illusionist, I would fool my mom, and that was about it. Um, and um, it, it's this reality that anything that seemed or was supernatural, I was drawn to it. And as we look at our current culture today, uh, we seem to be obsessed with the supernatural. There are more movies and TV shows that, that are being made about the supernatural, uh, really, than, than, like, than ever before. Most, most poignantly, we're seeing it in the whole Marvel universe of movies, where, uh, my goodness, you want to make some money, just make a Marvel movie, and everyone will watch it. Um, years ago, it was The Lord of the Rings, or Star Wars, or anything zombie or undead was huge, right? I mean, it, was, it had a zombie in it, we're like, I'm in, because it's real, and it's going to happen, and we got to get ready right? And so, some of you guys have stockpiled ammunition just for the zombie apocalypse. And you're completely normal because there's other people like you. Um, So, anyway, my point is, I digress. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 is a scripture that I read a few weeks ago, and I want to read it again, um, and it has to do with what we're talking about. He says, Paul writes in Ephesians 5, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, and I, and I said a few weeks ago, oftentimes I've, I've listened to preachers and they usually use Ephesians 5.18 as a scripture to teach us, you know, this is why you should abstain from alcohol. This is why you shouldn't drink wine um, because you should be filled with the Spirit instead. Um, but isn't it interesting that, that Paul isn't just saying don't drink wine because it's bad. He, he actually is doing something different here that we sometimes miss because we take it just kind of at face value. He's actually likening substance abuse with being filled with the Holy Spirit. He's not saying don't drink wine. He's like, hey, don't get, don't get drunk. In other words, um, you know, don't shoot up heroin. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, what? Well, I, I, he literally takes these these two things and kind of brings them together. And I've, and I've often wondered, like, why why did Paul write it like this? And why have I missed it so long? And it's this reality that everyone is looking for something to give them a supernatural experience everyone's looking for it Uh, something that like we just said is above or beyond their reality and so it is no wonder why we have a culture that is seeking after substances for two reasons one to either numb us from our current reality or to give us an experience that supersedes or is above or is beyond our current normal, our current reality. It's no wonder why we have a whole culture of people running after substances. And I would even say that, that it is that desire in us that draws us to substances. I would even say that it's actually a God-given desire that has been distorted by Satan and satiated temporarily. Like there is, the, the Bible says that eternity is in you in the heart of a man. And so, you know, when we talk about substances, essentially we're trying to fill that which can only be filled by God but, but, but can be temporarily satiated by a substance, something that is supernatural, something that gives us an experience that is above or beyond our reality. And I would argue that, that the dependence that we see on substances in our generation is actually a cry of our generation asking for something, something that would transcend reality. And sometimes we look at it and we're like, man, all these people you know, the, you know, the, you know are, are, are going to substance abuse and all, all these overdoses and stuff like that. It's really a, a heart cry of our generation saying, I, we, we are looking for something that would transcend that which I know or am currently living in. And, and the reality is, as we've been talking about this over the past six weeks, that the Holy Spirit is exactly the thing that you're looking for that you never knew you were looking for. He's the answer to the question you didn't know you were asking. He's he's the the drug that you think is going to satiate you with this, but, but the Bible says that be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is the only thing that will actually last and it doesn't wear off like a good high. And my point is this, that God wants to put his super on your natural. God wants to put his super on your natural. And so, Take, take this, what I just described of like our current culture seeking after the supernatural and then put it alongside the current trajectory of the American Protestant church, okay? We have a, we have a generation of people that are seeking after the, you know, the supernatural at all costs, whatever that looks like, and yet we have a church that is essentially settling for the natural, Some good music and engaging message. Just come back again next week, and let's just let's just try to be good people and give to the poor. And hopefully, that's going to be what we're what we're looking for. We have a, we have a church that is not talking about or living in any sort of an expectation of anything supernatural, and yet we have a current culture. That is looking and desiring and craving anything that is supernatural i grew up in a church that and maybe for some of you can relate to this that was full of liturgy and and mystery and and really kind of a little bit of confusion didn't really know what was going on all the time um it was these but it was really the trappings of the supernatural there was like ornate buildings and marble and gold and stained glass and hymns and Sunday clothes. But I was forever unimpressed because what I was looking for was the supernatural. That's the thing that I was craving. And that's the thing that I didn't necessarily find in the church. And I struggle like, you know, because I read my Bible and I would read things like this. Jesus saying in Mark chapter 16, He would say, he he said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And then he says, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes in their hand. and And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. I read that, and I read other portions of Scripture where Jesus says in Luke 24, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Supernatural. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Supernatural. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And, and as we've been kind of like journeying through this, this like sermon series over the past six weeks, there's been this question, and I, and I haven't been able to like put words to it um, until now as I've been praying through this. And it's this question on the inside of my heart, and it is this. Like, when did we settle As, as a church, and I'm not saying new life, I'm just saying as, a, as followers of Jesus Christ here in America, when did we settle for thinking that Judeo-Christian morals and ethics equal power from on high? When did we settle for just trying to be a good person and going to church and equal clothed with power from on high. Man, for me, it, 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 it eats at me because I look at the church, the early church in the Bible, and I think to myself, what I currently see is not what they had. Like, the book is better than the movie. You ever had that experience? <laughs> uh, don't even bother with the movie. The book's better than the movie, right? You know, I you have those experiences where you, like, you read the Bible and you're like, what? What they have is not what what I have. And I truly believe that there is a, a demonic lullaby here in America that would speak to us as believers and say, whisper, suggest, just take a nap. You deserve it. Just. You know, you've got, you've got enough, you've got blessings, you've got food in your tummy, you've got a nice car, you got you got your health, you've got enough money. Do, just don't get too radical. just shh. Just be a good person, pay your bills, and look forward to retiring in Boca Raton. Just <laughs> go to church on Sundays. You should do that. Go to church on Sundays, but don't let it get into other areas of your life. Don't let it leak out into other stuff. Just Just take a nap. This demonic lullaby. Because when I look at at the scriptures, I see a church that is unstoppable. Kind of like the, the song that we just sang. And yet I think in today's church, in so many ways, I see a church that is stoppable. Things that we call church. Like it's this reality, like you can you can draw a crowd. Of people with a talented musician with a good venue and a charismatic speaker you can you could put butts in seats with that but we build the church of Jesus Christ when we are dependent on and walking in step with the Holy Spirit of God and when we confuse those two things we start to think that that is the church when it is just a poor representation of what Christ died to give us. So you're like, man, this is a downer, Pastor Justin. My my goodness, chill out, dude. You're like a depressive person. No, here's the thing. I say all that as encouragement because I absolutely love what God is doing here at New Life Church. In many ways, I feel like we're on the precipice of, of what it is that God is wanting to do in this place. My prayer literally has, for, for like the past few, three months, has just been, Justin, just, just, just don't mess this up. Just, just stay out of the way and allow me to do what I wanna do and don't be the cap to my moving. I absolutely love what God is doing in our midst and I, I am continually reminded that it is God who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And I'm actually encouraged to know that I am not a good enough leader to be able to lead this thing or to keep it going. (laughs) It's an encouragement to me. You're like, really? Yeah, because look it, if God doesn't build the church, then the workers what? Work in vain. He's got to build this thing through being dependent on and walking in step with his Spirit. So, God builds his church, an unstoppable force, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we, we read about well, in the book of Acts, that turns the world upside down. And, and if I could say anything to you today, it's this. God wants to put his super on your natural. Last week, we talked about Jesus... Um, the whole wilderness thing if you missed last week you can always catch up online at nlc.today but here's the thing i'll give you a recap jesus gets baptized in water the heavens rip open the holy spirit descends on him he is filled with the holy spirit the first thing that happens is that he walks he is led by the spirit into the desert for 40 days with for a divine appointment oh good he gets to meet with god the father no he meets with with satan who tempts him for 40 days right so he's tempted and it is through that temptation and through him coming out of that temptation that, he, that his fullness turns into power and he begins his earthly ministry and it is launched from that moment on, he begins to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, as, as I was praying about this week and, and like, Lord, where, where is it that you, you're wanting to go? The Lord was reminding me of Moses. And, it, and, and this is the weird thing that he, it was the whole 40-day thing It's the the reminder that Moses actually spent 40 years in the wilderness of Midian before God spoke to him through a burning bush. Now, I know they spent 40 years wandering in the desert. I'm talking to the 40 years before that even happened. He was wandering in the desert. He was was kind of a a shepherd in, in Midian. And God essentially speaks to him through a burning bush that was burning but not being consumed. And he says to him, I've heard the cries of my people. And Moses, I am sending you now to Pharaoh to free my people from slavery. Can I just tell you, that is so often how God seems to work you know, we're in the wilderness, and we're like, man, I am wondering, and I am wandering, I don't know, I'm wondering, like, what it is that you're doing here, and why you're leading me into this place, and I'm wandering, in other words, I don't know where exactly I'm supposed to be headed, or where I'm supposed to be going in this wilderness experience, and then all of a sudden, God shows up, and he's like, now's the time. You're like, why couldn't it have been 39 years ago? I've been wandering in this wilderness for 40 stinking years. And all of a sudden, you're like, now's the time. What? Here's the thing. And the Lord had me write this down. I I believe it's a prophetic word for somebody in here. As I was praying this week, that there is someone in here that feels like they've been wandering and wandering in the wilderness. And it has been so long that they feel like nothing's ever going to really happen. And the Lord says, the word of the Lord for you today is this, now's the time. Now is the time. I don't know who that's for. If it is for you, I just want you to receive that and and do what it is that the Lord is leading you to do after that. That's not my responsibility. The Lord, now is the time. And he continues in Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. Moses looks at him, and he kind of says the same thing that I would be saying. He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God says, I will be with you. And then a few verses later, in Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, Moses says to him, well, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? And they say, well, the Lord didn't appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, in this weird scenario, he says, what is that in your hand? He says, a staff, he replied? A stick? And the Lord said, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a s- snake. And he ran from it. The Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. This just really strange encounter with a burning bush Honestly, for me, this, this story is proof that God can literally use anyone and anything to accomplish his purposes. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just give you kind of a, like a thumbnail sketch. Just think about Moses, okay? He's 80 years old. He's an unknown shepherd with a stuttering problem. That's, that's a problem, right? He's living in the wilderness holding a stick in his hand and talking to a bush. And God looks at him and says, perfect. My power is going to look great on his weakness. He says, God looks at him and says, perfect. My super is going to look awesome on his natural. I think that many times we get this in our mind that like God wants to build off of our strengths. We're like, yeah, well, this is strength, and God's going to use that for his glory, and he's going to make it. But here's the thing. The Bible says that his strength is made perfect in weakness. So for many of you, you're like, well, who am I? I couldn't do this. I don't have enough. I don't know the Bible well enough. I I, 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 I couldn't be doing it. I think you're, you got the wrong guy. Was there another guy that was supposed to walk by this burning bush? I think you're talking to the wrong dude, Right? And God says, no, you're absolutely perfect. Why? Because my super is going to look amazing on your natural. And then he has this really weird question. In verse 2, he says, what is that in your hand? And Moses is standing there with a stick. And he says, "Uh, what this? Uh, A stick. And I want you to understand this. This was not a magic stick. This was not Gandalf's staff. This was not formed on the hills of Mordor. Okay, like this was an ordinary, wooden, plain, average, somewhat useless stick. And I was thinking about this as I was like reading through this scripture. I was like, where, where did Moses get that stick? If it wasn't in the hills of Mordor, where did he get it? And the Lord reminded me, he got it in the wilderness. He got it in the wilderness. And I was, I was thinking about that, is that sometimes in the wilderness, we pick up something in the natural that God can use in the supernatural. And some of you, like, are in a wilderness time right now, because you can relate to that, and you're like, I don't know what in the world God could ever use that I'm getting out of this. Like I'm going through, the, I, am in, I am in, Pastor Justin, I, I, I could relate last week to Jesus in the wilderness. I can relate now that I'm in a wilderness. I just, I don't see anything that God could possibly use in any way, shape, or form out of this wilderness experience. But sometimes, sometimes in the wilderness, we pick up things that God will later use to bring help and healing to others. And so he's standing there with a stick that he got in the wilderness. Notice he didn't get it on the mountaintop experience. He got it in the wilderness. (laughs) God says, I want to use it. God says, I want to use it. In other words, he's like, I'm going to use what you have in your hand, a stick, but I'm going to make it more. I'm going to use what you have in the natural, and I'm going to put my super on it. That's the beauty of what he wants to do. And in verse 3, the Lord says to him, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground, and it becomes a snake. And I want you to understand something. It wasn't until Moses took what he had in his hand and released it that it became supernatural. when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand this, and this is the correlation I'm making, is that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are empowered by God only when you cooperate with the Holy Spirit and release them. So when we talk about different giftings, right? So like the gift of prophecy is just a stick in your hand until you release it to God. The gift of mercy is just a stick in your hand until you release it to God. The gift of encouragement or hospitality is just a stick in your hand until you release it to God and he puts his super on your natural. The gift of giving, you're like, oh, I think I have the gift of giving. I'm telling you, it is a stick in your hand until you release it to God. So God, what do you want to do with this gift that you're putting on the inside of me, the thing that you've given me? Because it is only in the cooperation with the leading of the Holy Spirit that God takes a stick in your hands and then makes it supernatural. In your notes, it says this that we have to be willing to release what God has given you. So He throws it on the ground. He might, I maybe threw it harder. I don't know. He, he he drops the stick, and then in verse three, it says that it turned into a snake. And he ran from it. Now, can I just, i can I say you, I feel so much better about myself because of the word of God sometimes. Like, the Bible doesn't say that it turned into a snake and then he jumped back and was like, oh, you totally freaked me out, burning bush dude. You know, like, woohoo, that was crazy. No, he's like, runs from it. So I have this imagination that goes like, he drops the stick, it turns into a snake, he screams like a girl and runs. Ah! And he just starts running away. The Bible doesn't say he'd jump back. And here's the thing. If anybody ever gets at you and says, you don't have to have a fear of snakes, you just show them the scripture. be <laughs> like, oh yeah, well I'm in good company with Moses. So back off, right? Amen. Thank you, I hear, I hear that. And he runs from it. Look, have you ever had a calling that you ran from? I did for years. I actually started out... I, I, I got saved in, in like eighth grade and I and I knew that I had a call of God on my life for full time ministry and I was running away from it for years. Like my my freshman year of college, I was going as a pre med major because I was gonna be a pharmacist so I could make six figures right out of college. That was my dream. I wanted to make some money and so God had other ideas. You ever run from a calling? Maybe, maybe have, you ever, have you ever felt like you're just scared of a dream? Not like a bad dream, but like a dream that's a God-sized dream that you're like, whoa, <laughs> that was too big. Like, I don't, that actually scares me. Has God ever given you a dream that's too big for you to fulfill and it scares you because you don't know if you should ever even tell anyone about it or if it was bad pizza or certainly have no idea what you're supposed to do with it? Maybe for some of you, God's given you a gifting that you've been shying away from. Why? Because it makes you feel uncomfortable and you don't necessarily know what to do with it. So he starts, he starts running away from that which God is wanting to use him for. And then in verse four, it says, the Lord says to him, <laughs> he says, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. no. I have I have the distinct opportunity that Moses did not have to watch animal planet and so I know that unless you are a professional that you should not reach and pick up a snake by the tail because they will go around and they will kill you right yeah, or the, you know, so like so it's interesting to me that like this is what this is what God tells him to do here's the thing if you're ever wondering the only correct way to to pick up a snake is to shoot it first. (laughs) So so if you're ever wondering, like, how, what is the correct way? You shoot it in the head. You're like, that is horrible. You would kill a snake? I would kill your snake. Yes, I would. (laughs) Like, he says, he says, "I, I want you to pick it up by the tail. He, and here's, here's the reality, that sometimes what God tells us to do doesn't necessarily make sense. You know that? You ever had God tell you to do something, you're like, ah, it's a pretty bad idea, Lord. <laughs> what are you thinking? Here, here's, I want to tell you a story. I think I've, I maybe shared this before. Uh, Pastor Tom and I grew up uh, around the, we went to Boy Scouts together and got saved in, around the same time, 8th, ninth grade. And uh, we were in high school. We went to a church service, and... We were playing this game. It's called like fire drill or whatever. So you like, you come to a red light and you're like, fire drill. And you get out of the car and you run around the car. And then you get back into the same seat that you started in. You guys ever do this? What? Come on, dude. Seriously. We were awesome. Okay. And so this is what we did. And so it was around this time of year. It was icy out, very slick. And so I'm a little more agile than Tom. And so I was fine. I just ran around and, um, and, and all of a sudden Tom slips and falls on, on his arm and his arm falls out of socket. And so he's like, he's like freaking out. He's like, ah. And I'm like, call the ambulance. No, I'm just kidding. And so he's like, he's 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 in a ton of pain. And uh, and because we just came out of church, I was like, well, we should pray. Because that's what you do when you just come out of church. Um, and so I, I said, uh, let's pray. And so literally, in the middle of the street, at like 10 o'clock at night, it's going, you know, cars just going around us because the light's turning green, yellow, red, green, yellow, red. And we're just praying. And um, all of a sudden, the Lord tells me to do something. And I'm, I, I'm stupid because I'm, I'm, I'm in high school, so I don't know what to do. I'm, I, have, I have no business doing anything medical. And so he says, lift his hand up over his head. Yeah, I know, those of you who know, know what not to do. I'm not telling you any of you to do this, but I was like, okay. So I grab his arm and I just lift it up over his head and he was like, "Ah!" oh my gosh. What in the world? He's like, you got to be kidding me. He's like, why did you do that? I don't know, I felt like God wanted me to. He's like, oh my gosh, I could have gone horribly wrong. And so he's like, He's like, you gotta be kidding me. And literally that day, we're still waiting. Cars are still going around us. He, I'm like, is it really healed? He goes, yeah. You can ask him about this after service. I go, well, how, how do we know? He gets down and pumps out like 10 push ups. He's like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm like, come on. That is awesome. The next day, I go over to his house and he's like, watch him. So, and he does 10 more push ups in front of me. I'm like, that is amazing to me. Right? Here's my point my point is not to go home and think that that's the correct way to set arm that's out of socket. Please hear me. My point is this, that sometimes God tells us to do things that don't necessarily make sense to us. He'll call you to give something or do something or speak to someone or he'll highlight someone to you and you're like, man, I don't understand what in the world that would ever do. And sometimes God calls us to something that we wouldn't necessarily choose on our own. And it's interesting to me that God is teaching Moses that one of the ways that he's going to be used by God is that He's got to confront his obvious fear. I mean, if I, if I were Moses, I'd be like, God's like, can hey, you pick it up by the tail. I'd be like, can't we just say abracadabra? Can we just do a little, I don't know, give me a word. If it's not abracadabra, I'll just do something and then boobity boo doo And then all of a sudden, bippity-boppity, and it would just turn back into, and then I could pick it up. And God says, no, I want you to reach down and I want you to pick it up by the tail why? Because God is always wanting us to confront our fears, because He is always after us trusting Him. So He says, "Go ahead and pick it up." So, in verse four, He says, "So Mo- Moses reached out, took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. He picks it up, and it goes back to normal, this normal, non-snaky piece of wood." Right, and, and I and, and I was I was I was thinking about this personally, for me, this is the greatest part of the miracle. I think this is the greatest part because I want to remind you of something. Moses does not spend the rest of his days walking around with a snake on his shoulders. You know that he doesn't walk around like one of those weird people, like, hey you want to see my snake. Yeah. It's like, get away from me, I'll punch you in the face, right? And they're just like, hey, just go and touch it. No. You know? He doesn't do that. He doesn't walk around and be like, hey guys, remember this used to be a stick, but God made it into a magic snake. You know, he doesn't do that. There's nothing that we see. Moses does not get to walk around with a pet snake to remind everybody and himself that he's got a magic snake. It's not what happens. He literally has a stick that goes supernatural and then turns back into a stick. And maybe, and maybe God is reminding us that he continually uses ordinary, average, common stuff. And then he puts his super on it. He uses ordinary, average, common people like, huh, like you. And then he chooses to put his super onto it. And we may be looking for superheroes, but God is looking for ordinary people that are simply available. And the question I want to leave you with today is this. Can God use you? Can, can God use you, an ordinary stick, um, to do extraordinary works, and then, and then to go back and love your spouse and do the dishes and honor your boss? <laughs> can he use you in giftings that you know are not your own and then go back to a stick in his hands Available but ready to be used by him in his choosing. Because, see, God doesn't use super sticks. He uses ordinary sticks that are available to him to put his super on. So, so here's what I would say. Can you sing or prophesy or, or, or show mercy or uh, have a gift of hospitality, be used by God in, any, in anything, and then still remember that you are a simple stick, not a supernatural snake? Can you host the presence of God and, and carry an anointing and not let it go to your head? Because I believe that God is looking for people who can be faithful as a stick in his hand so that he can put his super on it. And I wonder if we would see more moving of the Holy Spirit and more miracles in our day if God could find more available sticks. People that are willing to be thrown on the floor and humbled. People that, that are willing to be used by God and surrendered as he chooses and to be re, remain faithful in God's hands. There's a story in Acts chapter 3 that I want to end with today. Acts chapter 3, I'll just read it to you. It's one of my favorite stories One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put there every day to beg from from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked at him, as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from him. And Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Can I just say, first and foremost, I love, I love that this miracle happened on the way to church. (laughs) I mean, they didn't even have the time to get their worship on. They didn't have time to hear a message about how you should like pay attention to people that need help, right? I just want to remind you that as a believer in Christ, the Spirit of God lives in you, and He desperately wants out. Paul wrote this in Colossians chapter 1. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. And here's the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Like, I think if the church could truly grasp that, that, like, this mystery that we wrestle with as believers in Christ is that Christ in us is the hope of glory. That means that there's Christ in you and in you and in you, and it's the hope of glory. It's this reality that he uses what we have in our natural and puts, and puts his super on it. And sometimes I find that we can be waiting for Christ not to be in me, but Christ to be in a church service the hope of glory. Christ in uh, a sermon, the hope of glory. Christ in uh, a worship set, the, the hope of glory. And as long as you're waiting for uh, a speaker or a talented musician or a service to be God, then you, you will never realize the Christ in you, the hope of glory. And, and what, if, what if we continually were remo- reminding ourselves That it is Christ in us, the hope of glory. That we are sticks, but sticks that are available for God to use, to be filled, to be empowered, and used by God as he chooses. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? I was thinking about this scripture. And... um, this, this scripture in Acts chapter 3, it amazes me that, that Peter and John even noticed this beggar because he was kind of white noise. Um, they probably passed by him hundreds of times. He, the Bible says that he begged there every day. So this was a normal thing for this guy to be here asking for money. And it's proof that the Holy Spirit was leading Peter and John. <clears throat> so they, they they probably had walked by this guy hundreds of times and today the Holy Spirit highlighted him to them. And I just want to encourage you this. If you've never if you've never grasped this, maybe you're a new Christian, I want you to I want you to expect this. Do you know that God will highlight people to you? Like like sometimes it's in a dream. Like you'll get a dream and you and God'll wake you up and you you've been dreaming about someone or or God will wake you up and somebody's on your heart and, and you're like, really? This better be good, right? <laughs> or, or maybe for some of you, like, you, you, you'll be walking by and someone will just pop out to you. You're just doing your own thing. You can be at Hannaford. You're just trying to get some shopping done. And all of a sudden, God will highlight a complete stranger to you and you're like, what? In the w-? Here's what I always ask the Holy Spirit when that happens to me. I say, what are you up to? What are you up to? You wake me up in the middle of the night to, with somebody on my mind. You better be up to something. Right? What, do you want, what, are you, what are you wanting me to do? You want me to pray for this person? Talk to them? What, it, what, it, what are you up to, Holy Spirit? And I love this in verse 3. It says, when, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, they obviously looked at him, made eye contact. And if you've ever had somebody begging on the street, you know eye contact is, oh no, I made eye contact. And they, whoo, you know, I got them now. And so he looks at him and he sees that they're making eye contact and he asks them for what? Money. Now here's the reality. This is what I realized. is The prerequisite for a miracle is always a need. But here's what I've also realized is that many times the need that we think that we need is not the need that God wants to meet. And that's what's happening with this dude. He's asking for money, and he thinks that's the need that he wants, God, that he wants these guys to, to, to meet, but God has something else planned. There's a need that he's not even asking for. I'm not going to put a Band-Aid on it and give you some money. I'm wanting to actually give you something that, that lasts. You don't need to go and, 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 and take that drug or that substance. I want to give you something that, that lasts. And he looks straight at him. Peter looks straight at him in verse 4, as did John. And Peter says this, and it says, it's an exclamation point for me in my Bible. It says, look at us. And I'm always like, why did you yell at him? Like, what is the deal with, with, I mean, I know Peter's a little bit hot-headed, but he just yells at him, look at us. Now, I don't know why he yelled at this guy. Maybe he's like, look at us. You think we got any money? I do even have a stick? Right? I got nothing dude and he continues the man gives him the attention because he's like look at us expecting to get something from them and Peter said I love this he says silver or gold I do not have but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth walk listen I, I used to think that I had to have all the answers I had to You know, there's a need. I had to have an answer for it. There was a question. I had to have an answer. Here's, the longer I live, the more I realize how much I do not know. When I was 20-something, I knew everything. Now that I'm 40, I'm adult. There are so many things that I am, huh, that's interesting. God, what are you up to? What, what in the world are you up to? And I love that Peter looks at this guy that's asking for money, and he essentially tells him this, I got no money. I got nothing that you are asking for, but I do have the thing that you didn't even know you were asking for. I got that. I got what you're looking for, and you didn't even know you were looking for. I have the Spirit of God living on the inside of me, and he wants to do something. And I don't know, I've seen you, I maybe flipped a a nickel your way a few times, and you've been white noise to me, but I'm just telling you, God has highlighted something, and I don't exactly know. I've asked him, God, what are you up to? And I'm telling you, I'm a normal stick, an average nobody, but I have this the super of God on the inside of me, and he's wanting to do something, and he desperately wants out. And so I'm walking in obedience and step with the Spirit. I have no idea what he wants to do, but I do know that he wants to do something, and so I'm responding to it. Can I just say, I I don't want my life to be explainable without the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, my prayer is that, that people would look... At my life and say, man, this—I know this guy couldn't do this on his own. <laughs> People that know me know that I couldn't do this on my own. Like even preaching, uh, it is not—it is not a natural thing for me. Like this is one of the hardest things that I do. And so, like when I'm when I'm worshiping down here, I mean, like that's not a show. Like this is like, God, I need you to show up today. I need your anointing so stinking bad right now. Because I can't do this on my own. I desperately need you, Lord. I need your super on my natural. I need your your strength on my weakness. God, you move and do what only you can do. I desperately need your anointing. And I wonder how many of us in here, as we kind of lead into this last song of worship, I wonder how many of us in here would say, God, I want you to use me. I want you to use me. And I'm just an ordinary stick in the hand of an extraordinary God. God, I pray that you would put your super on my natural. And it is not because of anything of me. It is simply because I'm willing to be humbled and surrendered and lay down. And you can finally use me for something that I could never accomplish on my own, in my own I can help people walk maybe but when you put your super on my natural that's when miracles happen and when you can use us for even greater things that's when we realize it's Christ in us the hope of glory and it's not in a church service it's on the way to church it's after church it's at home It's with your wife and your kids. It's at your workplace. It's how you treat the the other parents of of, of your kids' friends. It's it's, it's how you walk your daily life in step with the Holy Spirit. So if that's where you're at, I just, between you and God today, I just, maybe you want to lift up your hand and just say, God, I hear you and I want to be used by you. And I know I've been in this wilderness for quite a long time, but I receive that word that says now is the time. God, may we walk in step with your spirit, not necessarily knowing all that you're leading us to, but being willing to trust you that you're gonna do something great with our weakness. So Lord, I, I just pray for each and every single person in here with their hand lifted high to say, God, I pray that you would use me. I pray that dreams that they're scared of, callings that they've been running away from, visions that they've let slide and go and die would come to life again. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would take the supernatural and make something amazing out of something that's really not that. Lord, we thank you that you are more than enough. You are our all in all. We submit our lives to you, God. I pray that you would begin highlighting people to us and we would walk, walk in response to that. If you've got a prayer need in any area of your life today as we, as we sing, I just wanna encourage you, to, you can come up along the sides up here. Uh, we have a prayer team that would love to pray God into your situation. Don't leave here without having an opportunity to be ministered to, but let's lift him up. Lord God, we lift your name up higher above our name. We lift your name up higher above uh, our circumstance, the wilderness that we find ourselves in. We realize, God, that you use everything for your glory, that we pick up things in the natural that you will use to bring hope and healing to those that are far from you. And so, God, we lift up our sticks to you and say, God, I pray that you would use me, use me, not because of anything I am, but because of all that you are, be glorified in us today. We wait on you, God. We wait on you. We lift you up today. Let's worship, church.